Welcome to Woman Reinvented with your host, Beth Smith. Your sponsor this week is Magnolia Organizing. Now, here's Beth. You are listening to another podcast of Woman Reinvented. Today, we're talking to Nicole Rubin. Nicole is a friend of mine who offers counseling in the Atlanta area. Her focus is on relationship counseling, but she's helped women reinvent themselves in her practice, so I thought you'd enjoy her perspective. If you feel like you have hurdles to overcome and need a few tools to get you started, then this is the show for you. In a minute, we'll dig in with Nicole, but first a word from our corporate sponsor, which is my company, Magnolia Organizing. The Magnolia team works both in the North Metro Atlanta area and virtually for women who are reinventing their home and family life by decluttering and organizing their spaces and lives. We design and load beautiful new closets and pantries. We work on decluttering and downsizing or work with women who just need a few tweaks to get their spaces just right. Many of the amazing women we work with are not hoarders, but they feel like they're drowning in stuff. Through the Magnolia processes, they often start reinventing themselves too. You'll hear more about how you can get in touch with us at Magnolia at the end of the show, but I don't want to wait another minute to dig into the good stuff that Nicole is going to share today. Um, Good afternoon. I'm so excited to uh, introduce our guest today. Nicole Rubin is uh, someone that I've met through um, one of my networking groups, actually. And uh, she's, um, her company is called Love and Bloom Counseling. And at the end of the podcast, we'll tell you how to be able to get in touch with Nicole if you'd like to reach out to her. But she does practice here in Atlanta. And um, I think as a podcast of woman reinvented, many times we find our in a place where it might be nice to have some support as we're reinventing ourselves. So I thought that'd be great for Nicole to come onto the podcast today and talk to you about how she helps support us when we go through those kinds of things. Um, so Nicole, I know, uh, by the way, welcome. I want to jump in. Hi, thank you. Um, I know you mainly do relationship counseling, but tell me a little bit about how you chose your career path and any training or any particular specialty. Tell me a little bit about you and how you got to where you are. Well, and you know, I do see people individually. It's just, it, it usually ends up being uh, something about a relationship in their life that sort of prompts somebody to call. Um, you know, I, I, how do you come into a profession like counseling? It just sort of uh, found me actually at a really young age, um, I've wanted to be a counselor since since I was a kid. Um, I was always the the other kid that people went to talk to for advice, even if I really had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> right. Um, so when it was time to get a degree, it seemed like sort of the natural uh, the natural way to go about doing it. Um, started out in social work and then switched over to counseling, and I have two master's degrees: uh, one in counseling and one in gerontology, which is working with the elderly. Okay. Um, and went into private practice a few years ago. So um, it, when you say you have two master's degrees and one's in gerontology, do you have, do you find your um, practice is sort of divided 50-50 or do you have um, different versions of how that practice, you know, how you utilize that, I guess that weight of how many folks you see that are maybe not seniors versus seniors? Uh, you know, ironically, I actually see very few seniors in a private practice uh, context. Um, I would say overwhelmingly my clients tend to be uh, the older millennial uh, and Gen X women. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, typically that looks like women from their late 20s um, through to, I would say, really mid-50s. Yeah. 
which is a, a kind of time when we find ourselves reinventing ourselves, right? We go through divorces, Absolutely. we have children, we send them off to college, we don't like when we're empty nesters, you know, all those things. And then divorce, of course, raises its ugly head in through all of that. So Absolutely. I, I can understand that that's a key um, time for you. Um, it definitely is. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And people ask me as a professional organizer, when, you know, what is your um, target market or who's your ideal client? And mostly we work with women, but uh, there are many keystones that happen in women, right? Like, you know, as I Mm. mentioned, kids and kids, pregnancy, then we send our kids off to school, then we get them, send them off to college, then we, uh, you know, then we have parents that we have to deal with, then we have to dealing with our senior selves. And so there are triggers for all those things. And I think they're probably in tandem with a lot with what you do. Absolutely. Um, so as we talked about our podcast is Woman Reinvented, can you tell me a story about someone that you've worked with who's reinvented themselves? We love to hear stories. Sure. Um, and of course, I'm changing the name just sure. for uh, confidentiality's sake. Um, <laughs> right. So let's, let's call her Gina. Um, uh-huh. So I actually met Gina for the first time uh, when she was still in a relationship. And um, her and her partner had come to me to kind of see, hey, is there anything, is there anything left here? And it really turned out that it, it was time for them to go their separate ways, but they had been together for, you know, pretty much their entire adult life. It was like 30 years mm. and, and Gina was in her, you know, early fifties. So um, she really had no context for, you know, who am I as a person outside of this relationship? And, um, and so that transformation was really beautiful in that, you know, Gina ended up changing her career. Um, you know, we took a kind of a deep dive of, okay, well, you know, if I don't know who I am outside of this relationship, well, then maybe don't try and figure that out. Maybe try and figure out who do I want to be right? and go from there. And, and as it turns out, you know, she had some real ideas about the kind of life that she wanted. You know, she saw herself getting involved in the special needs community and came up with this beautiful business plan. And now um, she is going to be moving um, to a whole different state at the end of summer and, you know, has, uh, you know, getting housing all picked out. And so she's really curating this beautiful life that, you know, a year ago, she just couldn't have even imagined. And I just have felt so blessed to be a part of that. Oh, that's exciting. And, you know, scary too. Um, when we start to reinvent ourselves, it's exciting. It's, you know, we see, we see the dreams that we've thought about for a long time, or maybe just niggled in the back of our minds. And then suddenly the time is now and the dream is here or to act upon the dream is here. And it can be very scary. I think. Sure. And and the truth is, is there were so many moments where Gina really was terrified and um, really felt like, okay, well, what if I fail? Um, And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's creating your social circle, the people around you that love you, um, you know, and, and asking for support and, and telling them that you're scared and, and need them to show a little extra love and enthusiasm. And if those people can do it, then finding other people who can. And, you know, as a former female executive, now I own my own business, um, the whole notion of doing it scared or, or admitting that I had fear made me feel vulnerable, if you will, in the in my executive roles. 
Um, but mm -hmm. I, every day I had to do, not every day, but many days I had to do things that I had never done before. I had to pro solve problems that never, I'd never seen before. Um, but you, you know, you have to put forth this, um, uh, external self that, Hey, no problem. Mm -hmm. I got it. But internally, I think we as women in particular struggle with, um, just getting it done and doing it scared. So sometimes when we're, we, we do all that in our corporate life, sometimes it's easy to let the other things, you know, maybe rock along a little bit that we don't want to take that on too. So Absolutely. I think it's, I think when you're reinventing yourself by, by career, by relationship, by all of those things, you're tackling so many comfort zones and it's really hard. Um, and I, I, th I think having someone to be able to counsel you through it, just invaluable. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is sometimes, and you sort of alluded to this, um, what was your client's name? Who, who are we calling uh, her? We're calling her Gina today. Gina. <laughs> so when Gina um, is looking to reinvent herself, this was by her choice. Is that correct? She chose yes. to make this decision. Um, but sometimes those choices are forced on us, right? Um, somebody walks away, yeah. we lose our job, we... Um, you know, all the things that we maybe sometimes don't see ourselves ever being in a place that we are in, and then we have to deal with it. And I would, as a counselor, do you think it's different? I mean, are the, are the challenges significantly different if you make the choice or someone else makes the choice? Part of me feels like you read a lot into a lot of the same things, whether you chose it or not. But you may see that from a different point of view. Well, and actually, there's a lot of research out there on trauma. Right that tells us that the vast majority of the time, like let's say two people are in a car and that car is in you know, a really bad accident. And they have found that the person driving typically does better. And there's this question of, well, okay, why? They were both in the accident. And what they have actually come up with is this idea of the, their own view of their own power. So how powerful or powerless were you in a given situation? So if you didn't have a choice, you know, if you were left, if someone passed, if you, you know, were fired from your job, then there is an element of helplessness that you kind of have to honor. You kind of have to come to terms with the traumatic thing that kind of happened to you so that you can then own your power, get that back. So you kind right. of have to release it to get it back so that you can really fully embrace your own transformation. Well, that makes sense. But um, when you, so you added, if it's, if it's not something you chose, if you will, then you've added this other, mm -hmm. it sounds like pre-work that you have to get past to be able to then exactly. solve the problems. And maybe it's a little, like if I've made the decision that I'm walking away from a, a job that's making me crazy, right? If I've made that decision, then I've, I got, I've understood the financial ramifications of that. But if I get downsized, I didn't have time to process that. So I have to figure that all out first before I can react. Is that what you see? Exactly. I think people get this idea of, well, I just have to put my big girl pants on and go. And so they don't give themselves the time to honor their feelings about it. And that's when they stay stuck that's when moving forward actually becomes like long-term moving forward actually becomes really difficult because 
you're not honoring your feelings. You're just kind of putting them in your back pocket and effectively saving them for later. But when they come up again, when that later is, we usually don't get to choose. Right. That's right. Because then it happened, whether we <laughs> wanted it to or not. Well, you know, and Absolutely. I see this, I see the whole mantra of getting stuck because, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is that as women, you know, we, we, one of the ways that stuck exhibits itself is in houses that are stuck or cluttered. And we know there's a real relationship between clutter and depression, but we, mm-hmm. you know, and so sometimes it, it shows itself in our house uh, or, you know, or we just don't care anymore and we are stuck. Um, I've had several clients that are going through things and they're, they just get stuck because they can't move forward. And one of the ways that physically we can help them is, you know, to figure out how, why getting stuck equals how this all works together, being stuck and clutter and feeling uncomfortable about their, their home environment. But you're working on the, I'm working on kind of the physical, but you're working kind of the mental part of that getting stuck problem solving mm-hmm. forward. I've got to figure that's pretty rewarding some days and frustrating others, I would say. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I would say, thank God it's more rewarding than, <laughs> uh, than, than, you know, tiring or, you know, sometimes sad. It's, it's definitely uh, way more fun and exciting than it is the other. Right. Because mostly I, I would guess most people, if they pick up the phone to go to counseling, they're looking for change. They've made a decision. You're not coming up to them and knocking on the door and making them listen to you. They've come. And I think that- Yes, that is thankful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've got a friend and they're deciding that they're getting a divorce or they're changing careers. In fact, I do have a friend that's changing careers. Um, what is a, someone who's trying to support someone who's reinventing themselves? What tips would you give to me? So, of course, I could probably go on for about an hour just on this subject, but I'll, I'll kind of give you maybe, let's say three things because okay. I like the number three. Um, the first I would say is don't judge. Um, it's really easy when someone is reinventing themselves. They come up with lots of ideas, and some of those ideas you might think are not realistic. Right. Um, or are not something that you would do, or they're not something that you feel comfortable with. And so what I would say is, is you know, first things first is, you know, if you're going to judge, keep it to yourself, but, but really try not to. Um, and, you know, kind of connected to that is instead of judging, ask questions, learn more about it. Okay. If they have decided to become an actor, well, gosh, be curious about that. Well, where did that come from? And what are they passionate about? And, and how did they decide to make this move? Um, that tells the person, A, that you care about them. Right. And B, it might give you a little bit more background information about why they're choosing this particular thing. Um, and lastly, I would say kind of step out of your own box and maybe give it a try for yourself. If, it's, if it is the kind of situation where you know, you could, you know, maybe show your support by being involved in some way, you know, if someone is taking up running, okay, well, 
go support them. Stand on oh, the sidelines. Oh, don't make me do that. that. <laughs> don't make me. I'll <laughs> stay on the sidelines. Don't make me run. <laughs> no, no, you don't have to necessarily run, but but maybe you show up with you know the the tacky hot pink tutu and the big sign. Yeah, um, I, I like you know, that. There, there are lots of ways to be supportive. So those are just kind of three, I would say, go tos. Yeah. And you know, my husband, when, when I'll get some crazy wild hair scheme um, or some ideas, I'm reinventing myself. I find that sometimes he wants to give me counsel and that's not really what I want because he's not living what yeah. I'm trying to do. Um, I want him to just hear me, but I don't necessarily want him to counsel me. And I think I need to then, for my friend, take that piece of my own advice and think that I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but to be there to, and I think we kind of get that mixed up sometimes. Is that not wrong? I think uh, that, that is a hundred percent true. Yeah. A hundred percent true. And you know what? Even when people come to counseling, they don't want my advice. Right. And if you're not sure, if you're not sure if someone wants your advice, you can always say, you can always ask, Hey, in this situation, are you looking for feedback here? Or are you just really needing someone to talk to? Right. And that will give you a lot of information because the vast majority of the time, unless someone says, oh, gosh, I really need advice here, they just want to talk. Right. And, and, as, and as, as I, if I were using my husband in that regard as my counselor, right, as a non, non-paid counselor, mm-hmm. um, and I don't want to mix up terms here, but I'm not looking for his counsel. I'm thinking through things out loud. Does that make sense? Yes. I do a lot Absolutely. of, it makes more sense, even though my brain is going a hundred miles an hour all the time. But when I verbalize things, they start to make more sense to me. So who do I have to verbalize it to? My husband who's with me you know, <laughs> more than anyone else, right? But I'm not always waiting, wishing for his counsel in that sort of thing. Um, so it is kind of a fine line. In some ways I'm giving him signals that I'm asking for counsel. So I have tried to get better about saying, let me just talk this through rather than, because he's trying to fix things for me, right? That's what we do for each other. So so I'm just throwing out, don't take, don't do what I do, do what I say, you know, try (laughs) to be, um, or be supportive without offering direction necessarily, because sometimes that's not what they need and you don't know what they need. They have to figure it out. Absolutely. All right. Now, something I wanted to talk with you about is perfectionism. Um, in the world, first off, as a professional organizer, people think I'm a kind of person who lines up my peas on my plate and eats them in threes or something. But I, <laughs> that's not who I am. But I think there are organizers that go, that are very um, structured, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, but I know that also many people who become disorganized that we see in organizing and we're going in to help, they are perfectionist. And while it doesn't show in their environment, part of the reason they haven't done the work that they need to do is because of perfectionism. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about how that raises its ugly head on we as women who are trying to be successful in all those things. Um, what you see in the world of perfectionism, where you come from and how you can help me and because sometimes I am perfectionist and others that I work with, maybe with some strategies around perfectionism. Oh, gosh, yes. And, and the truth is, is I would say I might have one client who's not a perfectionist. Ah, um, see, it's you know, everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's super pervasive. 
um, I'll tell you that it really comes from this idea of uh, black or white thinking. Things are either good or bad. And the first thing that's either good or bad in perfectionism is us. Um, so people get really confused between like, if I do this well, then I'm good. If I do this poorly, then I'm bad. And so then everything has this, you know, huge amount of power over us because everything means so much. And when we actually, want to be good. Oh, ex exactly. Um, so, you know, that black or white thinking of good or bad, um, you know, perfect or terrible really primes us to be in a terrible spot. So how that typically comes out are a couple different things. The first thing that I see a lot, I call looking like lazy. And you probably see that a ton where people get so overwhelmed by this idea of whatever it is, that they're not going to be able to do it perfectly, that it actually paralyzes them mm -hmm. and they don't do anything. Mm -hmm. I see this with teenagers probably the most where parents will say, oh, but they're so smart. Why aren't they doing well in school? And it's because they're so overwhelmed by the idea of not being able to get an A, let's say, or to do everything and get all A's that they then do nothing. Or they do the bare minimum because then in their head they can say, well, I didn't really fail because I didn't really try. Right. That makes sense. You know. Right. Um, and if the I, other yeah. thing I right. see... Sorry, go on. No, I was just processing. Yes, right. <laughs> the, the other thing that I see a lot of that you probably also see, my perfectionist people way over schedule themselves in all areas of their life. There's eight hours in a workday. They give themselves 12 meetings. You know, on the weekend, it's bam, bam, bam. And they're always trying to fit in all of this stuff into their lives a lot of times because they're not saying no when they should or because they really, in the best part of themselves, believe that they can do all of these things. But the process of getting all that done makes them totally crazy. And so then they sort of crash afterwards. And then there's usually a lot of shame about the crash. Right. And also the fear of missing out. I mean, that's a, there's, yeah. a, there's an acronym for that that I can't think of all of them right now. But yeah, the fear of missing out. I'm FOMO. My, FOMO. my kids are growing up. I want to be there. I want to be a soccer mom. I want to be this or my, my parents need me for over here and I'll run over there. And I need to make sure I'm doing all these things for all these people. And my, I, and all these people are not going to be with me forever. So I need to do all of that. And yeah, it's, um, we, and unfortunately the world we live in, my phone is going off. My Instagram needs to be updated. My Facebook page, I've got three friends I want to. So it does, it's not getting any better. Our technology is mm -hmm. not making it easier, right? We feel like we yeah. have more things to do. Absolutely. And so to that end, I would say, you know, stop being a victim of your life, of just kind of uh, the balls are coming at you and seeing if you can hit them. Orchestrate your life for the life that you want. Most of the time for my people that are overscheduling themselves, mm -hmm. they have to have an intervention where they literally block off their schedule for 15 minutes to get up from their desk and walk around the office, you know, or take a walk outside or call a friend. They actually have to start scheduling their self-care to make sure that it happens because your self-care is just as important, if not more important than whatever it is that's on your schedule. And well, removing those time frames because you, oh, you could take this phone call, 
really only hurts you in the end. Right. Um, and I, you know, sometimes back to that whole notion of self-care, um, if you see your, or if I see friends or particularly women and their nails are a mess and their hair hasn't been colored or cut or whatever, it's starting to show, right? That you're not caring mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, and, but you're, you know, caring for everyone else. And we can tend to do that. I mean, we tend to set ourselves aside, um, when things get really busy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And keep in mind that self-care is not necessarily getting your nails done or getting a massage, these things that cost a lot of money. I hear that a lot. People saying, well, I can't invest in self-care because it's expensive. And and really that's a misnomer because sometimes self-care is, you know, just sitting for three minutes breathing. Yeah. In that's a, a good point. Room. That's a good you point. Know? Sometimes we can see that as well, right? As we do the other outer things, but absolutely. And just caring for yourself Mm -hmm. in small doses even. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, of course, uh, looked you up and I read your blogs and I looked at your video logs and, you know, whatever. And I, you had said something that I thought was really profound. um, And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, you had gone to a yoga class, I think, and you had you said that our body is not in balance the same every day. So some days you wobble more than others, and some days, no matter what position you take, you're going to wobble. And I really thought that was kind of profound, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about that uh, and how we process those days when we're wobbling a little bit um, and, and compare mm-hmm. them to, especially since we know many of us are perfectionists. Um, if you could kind of talk about that a little bit more. Sure. And, and gosh, it's so easy to go back to that yoga class because there was a bunch of people who were really good at yoga and I just was not, I was not having it. <laughs> and you were day. having a wobble day. I was, it was a wobbly day. Um, so, you know, in general, I, I had a good friend say something to me one day. Um, I, I was having a, a wobbly day that day and I was, maybe a little harder on myself than I usually would be. And what she said to me was, please don't talk about my friends that way. I love my friends. And it was so meaningful to me because sometimes like we would never talk to our good friends the way that we talk to ourselves in our head. Right. Oh, and she, my head will never shut up. She's always talking to me. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, in, in that moment for me, it was a reminder of how important it is to give myself some grace. And so uh, now I kind of kindly refer to those moments as my human moments, because ultimately we are human and humans are inherently imperfect. Sometimes you forget you have the meeting, you know, sometimes you just don't have your stuff together. You miss the gym and you end up eating fast food. And at the end of the day, you're like, well, okay, this was not my best day. And to be able to just kind of shrug your shoulders and give yourself a little bit of grace and know that, okay, it was one day or even one week or even one month. And that there's still goodness in you inherently. You don't have to earn your goodness. You just are. Sometimes that makes a huge difference in our ability to just let things go. I'm worth it. I'm okay. Either way, even if I had a bad day, I'm still worthy. And holding that space makes those human moments a lot easier. 
Right. Right. Uh, you know, and I think that there's a, and it, this is a t difficult topic, but, you know, we struggle, we, we all struggle with what's okay to let go and still be a productive individual. What's okay to go, let go mm -hmm. and still have personal responsibility. You know, I can't just say, oh, well, uh, you know, so finding the balance, back to your wobble story, finding the balance mm -hmm. between what's okay to let go and what's okay to, what's, what's important to me hold myself to the fire about, you know, and of course, all of that peace, that is that ebb and flow and that balance because some days I have to perform. No ifs, ands, or buts. She's the best me's got to be there, right? And then some days yeah. I've got to give myself the credit that I'm not going to always be at peak performance, right? Or I'm going to have those slip ups where I stick my foot in my mouth, I show up late, something screws up, and I'm, you know, I, as all of us, I think you just talked about how many of us are there. I'll beat myself up for a long time if something doesn't go right. I've gotten better. Yeah. But, you know, we're all striving for that. But then I, th I think it is a struggle between what's personal responsibility? What's, where do we hold ourselves accountable without beating ourselves up? Because accountability is a lot about being an adult, right? We're accountable to lots of people for lots of things, whatever that is. But so you can't blow that off. But then where do yeah. we stop the, the tape that runs in our head? I think. So what I will just say to that is that I have, and moms especially, I can say hands down, moms are the absolute worst of those and that is the ability to make a list and look at the hierarchy of everything on that list and be able to say which things have to be done right now which mm -hmm. things have to be done today which things don't have to be done at all which things to be delegated because everything feels like a number one priority all the time yes so absolutely what yeah and it drives people nuts and yes. so what i say is you can't do that alone all the time. At least in the beginning, get somebody else, get a good friend, get a professional like a counselor or, um, you know, a coach or an organizer or whatever, but sit down with someone and get the other perspective of how much of a priority is this really, is this really going to make a difference in your day, in your life, and can some of this be delegated? Can this be, you know, we hire this out to a professional? Because sometimes it's just totally worth it to do that. Right. Exactly. And I tell people that all the time. You don't have to do this. You can hire yeah. this out to someone else. You don't have to be the, the hero for everything. Um, but, it, you know, it's hard because sometimes we have. So I grew up in the era of Martha Stewart coming to play, right? If she was already <laughs> in place with you. But, I mean, Martha has a perfect house. And Martha does flowers and Martha does this. And one day I said, I want to just have my house be like Martha Stewart. Well, that's just crazy. Crazy to set myself up that way. <laughs> right. But that was my goal Absolutely. because we see these things all the time. And so then I think I have to make the list of buy the stuff and have my cabinets be perfect and everything. And Martha has a team. I don't. So we just have to understand sometimes also what we're seeing. And that's something I struggle with on my Instagram, on my Facebook, because when you look at organizers or decorators or the pictures that you see in every magazine, there's stuff that's been taken out of that picture. That picture has been edited. It's just like airbrushing mm -hmm. on women who are in bathing suit models. They're airbrushed. The stuff you see in magazines, on Pinterest, whatever, there is edited for that photo. 
And then the photographer, if there's something left on the counter, he can actually physically remove it, right? And so people have this idea, I think women as they're scrolling through, have this idea that, that whatever they have, whatever they go to do, back to that perfectionism, can and should look like that in the end. And I struggle with not making my Instagram too perfect because I love those pretty mm. pictures, but that's the wrong message to be sending to my clients. And, and I know that the pretty pictures have big followings. Maybe I don't have that kind of following, but that's not what I'm trying to present to my clients, if that makes sense. I, it, you, something that's more real, uh, uh, things we can attain. You know, but those Absolutely. are the pretty. They're pretty. And yeah. boy, would I love to have marble countertops and three utensils in the drawer. But that's not the life that we lead. So Absolutely. And careful. some care, sometimes self-care is knowing just that and getting the hell off of pinch, you know, Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook <laughs> right. and, or limiting your time. You know, um, that's another example of free self-care because research shows that when we are on social media and we spend time comparing our lives to the fake lives that people post on social media, uh, we end up getting pretty depressed and anxious. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. All right. So um, tell me, Nicole, I mean, I've enjoyed talking with you today. Um, what else should we know? Did we miss anything in this kind of conversation about, particularly about perfectionism and reinventing ourselves? You know, the only thing that I would add is just to keep in mind that reinventing yourself is not a linear process. You know, you are going to feel like you are rocking it on some days and other days you are going to feel like a giant failure. And, and it's that way with life in general. But I feel like particularly when we are coming to terms with big changes and then pursuing something we're passionate about, all of a sudden we hold ourselves to this unrealistically high standard of how we're going to get there. And, oh, I should be over this by now or I should be here by now. So recognizing that it's just not a straight line and that, you know, it's, it's a lot more ups and downs than, you know, than it is straight across. So just give, again, give yourself some grace and just go with it. I like that. I, I'm, I tend to hold myself as I've started a new business. I'm holding myself every day up to what did I accomplish and how did I get done and what did I do here? And I don't have time to mess with anything else. And, you know, um, I don't want the ups and downs. I just want to go up. And that's hard. I yeah. can't keep, I can't keep that happening. Yeah. Right. I have to give myself self care too. Um, Absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks so much for being with us now. Tell us again where you practice and how we can find you online or how, how, if anybody wants to reach out to you, they could. Sure. Well, so I actually practice in two different offices. I have an office in Roswell uh, and then I have an office in Brookhaven. So these are both the Atlanta suburbs. Way. In case anybody is listening, that's not from Atlanta. Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, and I do telemental help. So if someone wanted to chat and they're somewhere just in the state of Georgia but not close, I right. can chat with them uh, that right. way as well. Um, probably the easiest way to find out more about me would be to go to my website, which is loveinbloomcounseling.com. Um, and you could also email me at loveinbloomcounseling at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, say hi if you have any questions and reach out that way and I can respond there. Perfect. Well, again, thanks so much, Nicole Rubin, for being with us. And um, I, I just love the idea that um, we don't have to be quite as tough on ourselves sometimes as we think we do as we're reinventing ourselves. And thank you for that. Absolutely. 
I'm All happy right. to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Now, don't forget that this episode is brought to you by Magnolia Organizing. You can catch us at, at magnoliaorganizing.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Magnolia Organizing, too. I can't wait to see you there. And I can't wait to see you next week as we talk to our next Woman Reinvented. Thank you for listening to Woman Reinvented with Beth Smith. For show notes or to contact Beth, visit her website, magnoliaorganizing.com.